is my aesthetic branding marketing entrepreneurship you're listening to the kiss my aesthetic podcast i'm your host michelle winterstein of mkw creative co where we build brag worthy brands through visual identity design and social media you're in the right spot for branding marketing and entrepreneurship advice so enjoy the episode Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. It's episode 99, if you can believe that. And we have such a special guest. Welcome to the podcast, Sawyer Hemsley. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here, Michelle, especially because I admire your design work and your creative mind. And so let's talk and let's chat about all things you want. You know, oh I'm my here gosh. for it. Yes, we are going to get into it. We're going to cover pretty much every project. I describe you to my team as the man with a million ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. The crazy man. (laughs) Yes. We're on the same wavelength in that because I feel like I see a lot of energy from you that's like, oh, what if we did this? And then having the team to make it happen has got to be such a satisfying feeling. We'll get into all of that. But for people who don't know you or don't follow you yet, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Sawyer Hemsley. I'm a founder of Crumble Cookies. We make high-end gourmet cookies with a weekly rotating menu. And we started out of a small bakery when I was in college, and we've now grown to a national brand, over 600 stores with a 1,000 set to open by the end of next year. Absolute insanity numbers. I saw some statistic that said Crumble was like the fastest growing brick and mortar anything of the pandemic? Yes. Yes. We, we had exceptional growth, you know, during these past couple of years and it's been a journey, but it's been such a fun journey. Oh my gosh. And opened so many doors I've got to imagine. Absolutely. Yes. We've connected and networked with so many fun, different brands and, you know, celebrities and just like, it's been a learning curve. I mean, who would have thought I would be making cookies at age 31 and talking about sprinkles and pink frosting over a conference table. Never in my life, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you never know where you're going to end up in life. It's, it's just fun to just go and, and see what happens. Let's go roll it back. Let's go how you started. You and I have this in common. We both started in college with our businesses um, and take us back to maybe entering college or getting into those first courses where you're like, okay, I, I kind of like this. I kind of like that to, to starting something. Yeah. So when I first started college, I was really into fitness. So I thought I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to go into fitness and health and wellness. And then I got into it. I'm like, this isn't me. So, you know, I then explored other opportunities and I loved to write and I loved English and I loved reading and books. And so I'm like, and I also love to be in front of people. I love to talk. I love to like MC programs or host and so I'm like, I want to be a journalist. I want to be a news broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And so I, I entered into that realm. And then I started to realize like, oh, am I going to be able to provide for myself? Because a journalist life is a hard life. You know, you're always on the road. You know, if I want a family, that could mm-hmm. be tricky. The pay doesn't seem as as good as I would like it. And then after that, I decided I'm going to just focus on communications because that's where my true love is with an emphasis on marketing because I also love the creative aspect of marketing and branding and advertising. And so I went down that realm and that's where I started to explore entrepreneurship and that idea generation behind business. And that's kind of in a nutshell, how my college experience went. And it was fantastic. Probably the best years of my life was in college and where I really truly found who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Are you the first entrepreneur in your family? You know, I would say I am. My okay. my parents didn't graduate college. Um, they worked for other businesses. Uh, and now we all work together. So it's a family business. You know, I, you never would think that you would employ your mom and dad or all of your siblings, cousins, aunts, and uncles. But I, I do. And it's been such a magical experience to work alongside my family. We have that in common also. My parents are entrepreneurial. My mom started her business um, when I was around 10. And I think that I thought that's what working looked like. She started an interior design company. And it was, you know, drive to a client's house, give them a consultation, go to Home Goods, go get your nails done, come back, do write out all your invoices and send emails. 
And her first thing that she bought herself when her business started taking off was a red Volvo convertible because that's all she wanted was to drive a red convertible. I know you're like a car guy too. And I just thought to myself at 10, 11, 12, like, oh, that's what working looks like. Because the only thing I had by contrast was my dad worked like an office job, a nine to five. And they did a full 180 when I was in middle school where my mom became breadwinner. My dad was stay at home dad and was helping my mom with the business. And then it's so interesting because then like I started my business, my sister started her own business and my parents obviously have theirs. And then also my aunt and my grandmother, my great grandmother was a business owner. So it's so funny that it's cool that it shook out for you that way that like you got to then bring everybody into your circle because we all kind of ping pong services to each other, you know? Yeah. And I love that. I I think that through your childhood years, you're shaped by your parents and and the culture they set. And I think my mom was so inspirational for me. And that's truly where my entrepreneurship desire and passion came from was my mom. Because she always would tell me, hey, you're going to be student body president in high school. You're going to go and do this. And I'm like, yes, I am. I am going to do that. And so she made me believe in myself. And she gave me the confidence that I can chase my dreams and I can go after what I want as long as I put in the work and I have a good attitude that's all you need. You know, you just need the hustle and you need to say the mindset really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so similar. So it, it's been awesome. we grew up with be a good person, do a good job. Like those were the only that. two like big tenants, like be a good person and do a good job. And everything else is figure outable. Everything else will sort itself out. Um, yeah. But talk to us about Preston. Yes. So I grew up in a small town. Uh, you wouldn't think that, you know, looking at my life now, but I grew up in a town of 5,000 and that's the town that shaped me, just like my mom shapes, you know, my desires and passions for business and entrepreneurship and built, built that confidence. My town also was a large part of that. And so, you know, I was very well-rounded. I wasn't necessarily good at one thing, but because we're so small, I played sports. I was in music, you know, I volunteered and so many people in my community impacted my life and, and they were they gave me the path and the journey of where I am today. And I want to give back to them. And so Preston has a special place in my heart. And I want to build up a town that has been slowly dying over the past couple of years with new technology and people moving to larger cities and things like that. So super excited to jump into some of these projects that we may discuss on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I can already see we've only been going for a couple of months, you know, the excitement and the energy that's been built from just these small little steps that we've been taking. Yeah. I think what's interesting about your story too, is you had every opportunity to go the big city route. Of course, you talked about almost moving to Arizona for a job and, and how different your life would have turned out. But I love that you kind of brought it back home. So talk to us about that decision. How did you realize like, you know what? No, I want to stay here and I want to stay close to the source. Yeah. Well, to me, I love to build and I'm an opportunist. And so like for me, it's more than making a profit or, or making money. It's about building experiences, bringing people together, you know, and, and enhancing quality of a life for other people. And so that's why I wanted to stick around my, my hometown. I live about two hours away from, from my hometown right now currently, but it's a quick drive. And so I love to have places where I can visit, but I have my home base and I love my home base. And so I have my New York home, you know, I have a home in Vegas and I'm hoping to get a few more properties in the next little while, but I love to visit those places, but always again, return to my home base where my people are, where I grew up. Right, right, right. Let's explain to the people how you and I even got connected, because I think that that's a good story worth telling. And I also love that. I had no idea who you were before you filled out my contact form. So I had sent basically within my family group text, all of us being entrepreneurial, when I get an intake form and it said like, oh, Peach Grove House, this property in upstate New York, like luxury B&B. And I was like, a uh, vision board. Hello. This is, I totally wanted to get into the hospitality space. So I had screenshotted it and sent it to my family. And I was like, oh, this looks like a cool project. And they go, isn't that the crumble guy? And I was like, what are you guys talking about? Because my sisters are in Texas and they were like diehard crumble fans. But tell me how you even got to the contact form because like I'm nosy and I love to hear the backstory. Yeah. So really I jumped on TikTok early and I love new platforms and being on social media. Like it's my jam. And I've always loved to just be active and grow my accounts. And so 
I was on TikTok, always looking for new people to follow, interesting people to follow. And I came across one of your lives and it was you designing a brand. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so inspiring. And I love to see thought process happen in real time and creative juices just flowing. And I just started watching your video and I'm like, this is really interesting. Like you were talking us through the process. You were saying what you liked, what you didn't like. And it was so cool because like you kind of peeled back the curtain for us on that live. And so I ended up following you and you would jump on like, like every other day, it almost felt like, or whenever I was on TikTok, you were on. And so I'm like, this person is awesome. Like she has great creative vibes and energy and I love her design skills. And so I said, Ashley, we need to reach out to her. Ashley, my assistant, we need to reach out to her and get her to help us with some of these projects because she's legit awesome. And so that's how I found you (laughs) on TikTok. I love that. I love that because I also, when I'm live streaming on TikTok, which is a lot of how a lot of people find the podcast and find their way to the Facebook group and my contact form, like I don't pay attention at all to who's watching. <laughs> like sometimes uh-huh. I forget. And like sometimes my clients of the project that I'm working on, sometimes they'll pop on and and they're like, oh my gosh, I was so excited. I like looked at the live, but then I had to look away because I wanted to be surprised. And it's just become <laughs> such a cool community builder, but you're totally right. Like peel back the curtain, show how the sausage gets made kind of idea, um, which leads to really cool opportunities. So let's talk about that very first project, Peach Grove House. Tell yes. us the origin story of how you started to get into these different business ventures. Right. So Crumble is my full-time career and it is my everyday, you know, eat, breathe, sleep, you name it, I think about Crumble. And so I'm like, I need something else to be able to drive my passions and my creative juices into. And so I said, let's get into the Airbnb space because I felt like it was pretty popular when I started to have these ideas. And I'm like, if I'm going to have an Airbnb, I don't just want any generic Airbnb. I want something that's unique and by you know a geographical area that is bringing in a lot of people. And so I jumped online and I was, I was looking through like all of these websites of all of these like B&Bs, bed and breakfasts or like quaint boutique hotels for sale. And I came across what was known as the Peach Grove Inn in Warwick, New York. Super random, but it was very unique and stood out to me because it was a colonial, you know, Greek revival style home that was built in the 1800s. And I'm like, boom, that is my house, you know? It's right outside of New York City, um, and people would want to experience this property. And again, I felt like with my ideas, I could create an experience that people would yearn for and want to come and, you know, participate in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was kind of the jumping off point of us working together. And I think I am the kind of person that if you ever watched That's So Raven growing up, you know, when she'd like have oh, a vision, absolutely. she'd like have <laughs> yeah. a vision and like snap in, like someone can <laughs> tell me like, this is my business name. And I'm like, zoom, like I got it. Like I get like this download of like, oh, I know what this could look like because it's kind of this blend for me of like art history and, and right. visual communications and marketing. And, and you're similar, like you have that kind of pie in the sky vision of what it could be. And so right. you acquire that you buy this house and then it's listed on Airbnb. And then we start kind of going down the branding route. What part of the branding process where you're like, Oh my gosh, it's, I can see it. Well, first I got to tell you with any business, I feel like if your brand is spot on, people will come. Totally. I, I've been researching liquid death recently and I just got to mm-hmm. throw it out there because it's so interesting to me. They're selling water and because they've been able to create such an awesome you know, rad brand and those elements behind that brand, people are interested, they're intrigued, they want to drink water again, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's been around forever. So I think like when we dive into the Peach Grove house, there was already potential there, but I'm like, this has not been touched by a brand or a marketer. And so we need to dive in here and really go back to the roots and and, um, explore what's going to drive people here even more. And we went through name changes, like it was the Peach Grove Inn, then we changed it to the Peach Grove Manor, kind of seemed a little bit old school, stuffy. Mm-hmm. And then I reached out to Michelle and she's like, let's call it the Peach Grove House and let's make it Lux. And I'm like, absolutely. Like I myself seek out opportunities to experience luxurious places, you know, and brought up the idea of making it more of like a boutique hotel. And I'm like, absolutely. I love that idea. Because it was just that much more unique than just an average Airbnb. 
you know, because anyone can throw up an Airbnb. But I first started seeing the brand come to life when you started talking about what the name could be. And then also when you first showed me the um, colors, your ideation, just those first couple of moments. And I started myself having my own vision, like this could be something really cool. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point of of the word lux and like how we perceive luxury in brands because the first the first kind of throw out of that word sometimes people go immediately like glitz glamour like gold right. sparkles chandeliers which can be but i think there's something so luxurious about things being detailed and being nostalgic and that's a really big yes. theme across your brands of there is this luxury of time which is time is our most valuable resource that when you can sit at a table that feels old and actually appreciate it for its character and for the story that it's telling, like there is luxury in that versus getting something straight off the shelf from Ikea. So Uh talk to us about how you approach like nostalgia with the companies that you start or, or how important you think that that is as part of telling a story. Well, I guess I always go back to what I want as a person and what I like to look for when I think of experiences or building a brand or a business, you know, we're doing other brands, but I do it because I know that people can relate to it. You know, it, same with crumble, like cookies are so impactful and we're, we've been able to be so successful because they're nostalgic. They tie someone back to a story or a memory. You know, you grew up probably making cookies with your mom on Sunday or your siblings, whatever it is, you will, tie back to a story or a memory. And that's what I try to do with each of these brands. And so I love history. And this house was like a historical landmark for me to say, let's not be in the modern world. Let's go into a different era and experience something that you can't every day. You know, does that make sense? Totally. And I think the proximity to the big city, you're bringing that small town feel, the Preston feel of the, this is it's so rich in its history and it's so unique and it's, it forces us to slow down, which I think a lot of people crave, right? Like we learned that in the pandemic is like when people actually get the chance to slow down and relax and breathe and like they start to appreciate the little things in life, like their life gets much better when you can have that gratitude, you know, feeling. Um, but let's talk Peach Grove House, your big vision, like if you knocked it out of the park, it's three years from now and you're standing on the front lawn and you're like, we freaking did it. What does that look like for you? Yeah. So it would be, you know, keeping as much historical aspects of the property alive, but also adding that functional modernism to the property as well. I want to dive into not only the hospitality, you know, book a room and stay overnight or over a weekend, but also book the property for weddings. We're, We're starting to explore a lot more the property being more versatile as an events venue. And it's been incredible to see, you know, the, the need there. I didn't realize how, how much need there was in that area for people to want a beautiful space to gather, whether that be for a bridal shower, a wedding, baby shower, a birthday party, or just a group of friends. And so my ideal goal would be to add on a barn to mimic what the barn used to look like back in the 1800s and use that as a beautiful big event space with beautiful landscaping and flowers. And and you're just getting every single aspect that you want in a property. And it looks clean, tidy, but you're having those historical moments as well. Yeah. And it becomes a blank canvas for you to make your memories on top of. I think Mm a lot of of Peach Grove and the conversations we've had about it is creating an opportunity for people to go make their own memories where they have this fondness for what it felt like to be there. Yeah, I love that. And they're making memories. You know, a lot of people come back repetitively because that's their family vacation for the summer, you know, and that's so cool to be a part of. So I, I love that. Absolutely. After Peach Grove wrapped, and it's not even wrapped, I won't even say wrapped because we still have so many more plans for Peach Grove House, follow Peach Grove House on socials. But Hemsley Ventures, when we first had the conversation, I remember you had contacted us about Peach Grove House branding and then had a, well, we also have this other company, Hemsley Ventures, it's kind of the parent company. And I kind of explained like a brand architecture, right? Uh, If there's one big umbrella and there's certain things under different umbrellas, but there's almost like roots of a tree, like there's branches that are coming off of it. 
and you have kind of a hospitality branch, you have a, you know, like a revitalization branch, and then you've got obviously crumbles in there. And then you as the entrepreneur, um, how did thinking of that framework help you in how you approach new projects? How it helped me so much because one just helped me organize my thoughts and organized how I wanted to structure the brands as a whole. And so Michelle, you really helped me with this because we said, do I want Sawyer Hemsley as a brand? Do I want Hemsley Ventures? And I didn't necessarily want my name tied to everything. I wanted my name tied specifically to special moments within those brands. And so we, we picked Hemsley Ventures to be that umbrella company. And then we put the brands underneath that Hemsley Venture name. And it just helped me realize we're building something more and we can have as many brands under this umbrella as we can handle. And our, the world is our oyster. So I love that you helped me see that and you shaped that through a visual that you presented to me. And it's it's been awesome roadmap for me and my team ever since. Yeah, a roadmap and almost like a family tree. Like some of the businesses yeah. I feel like are cousins or siblings of each other, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of fun to for think sure. about. No, it is so cool. And now you've got a whole team with you on the Hemsley Venture side. You've got your HQ office in Preston. How much of your personal aesthetic would you say did we like let bleed into the Hemsley Ventures look and feel? I think you did a really good job with Hemsley Ventures because I I've a person goes through stages of life and I feel like, you know, I went through my fun, energetic, like extrovert stage right. and now I'm kind of more refined professional trying to present myself as a thought leader uh, in the business world. And you really were able to combine the two through color and through font and through imagery and visuals. And so I think you nailed it. And I, I'm super excited and I'm proud and confident to present, you know, the branding of Hemsley Ventures. I, I've absolutely loved the refined edges and, and the minimalism. But yeah, it's so super powerful at the same time. Yeah. And I also appreciate how fast your team freaking moves. Like I sent the mock-ups, <laughs> I I mock you're like, Hey, we need some help, you know, judging up our, our building. Tell us about your HQ building. I'll, I'll pass it off to you. Yes. Yeah, so just imagine a really small town with one strip of main street and all these old buildings from like the early 1900s, maybe in the, the late 1800s. Really cool architecture, but just run down, closed up, boarded up. There's a few businesses sparkled in between, you know, those vacancies. But the HQ building is right in the center of Main Street. And it used to be an old bank. Um, and that bank has transpired into other brands of banks and things like that over time. So um, it really just looked like a bank. And so I'm like, Michelle, we need help. We eventually want to tear this building down and build like a really historic, beautiful corner building. But for now, you know, we, we can only run as fast as we can and work with what we have. And so we took that building, we added the colors, we added the brand to it. We added decals to the windows, clean it up. And it looks immaculate. I haven't gotten so many compliments on this little building. And what used to look like a bank, and you can kind of still see the bank features. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, through the branding alone, and it was simple, just the changes we made really made an impact. Yeah, I think it's such a fun challenge to kind of reinvent or reappropriate architecture in that way. And that's where I'm really thankful that I even have any experience taking architecture classes. Because the yeah. it, the exterior of your building kind of has like a brutalism look, very concrete yeah. and like kind of the corrugated concrete, concrete. and a lot of metal uh -huh. and a lot of horizontal and vertical. And so knowing that, I was like, we need to get some movement in here, right? So using the brand pattern all along the side of the building, and you say it's it's turning heads and it's getting eyeballs, and you've got a few events. Sure. Yeah, you've got a few events and things that have happened where people have come through. How are you helping to describe what Hemsley Ventures is and what Hemsley Ventures does? I know it's a work in progress. You know, this is something that a lot of people are like, what is Hemsley Ventures? What does Ventures mean? You know, like, mm -hmm. is this, you know, an investment firm? Is it a bank? Some people thought it was a bank. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is like a holding firm, I guess you'd call it, or a holding group that has brands underneath of it. And so we are kind of like the administrative office for each one of these branches or brands, if you will, uh, to make sure they're functioning and that they're profitable and that we are the heart 
that so they can actually go and, and breathe and function and fly. Totally. And yeah. um, you helped me come up with actually a really cool phrase to explain it. Do you remember what it is off no. the top of your head? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. Even I'm still memorizing it, but right. like, it's cool because you, it, we described it as like, we're creating spaces, places, memories, and that's exactly what we are doing. Yeah. I think it, I think it was along the line of creating legacy places, spaces, and memories, because I think, yes. I think like you just kind of described in the way that you were even just talking about it right now, like firm feels yucky. Like it's not a holding group. It's not an investment group. Like those all come across as very kind of like stuffy and impersonal Uh and not like, so it's almost like we need to invent a new word for what it is. (laughs) Right. I know. There's something there. It's been a struggle, but like what what we decided on is it's creating legacy brands, spaces, places, and memories. And because we're so versatile in like our focus, I guess, you know, because we're doing hospitality, we're doing food, we're doing random renovations on Main Street with the Grand Theater. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like we're doing a bunch of stuff. And so we needed something to really tie that all in together. And I feel like that kind of tagline, we were able to do that. Yeah. And another idea I'll just kind of throw out as we're kind of spitballing it literally live on the podcast is it's a <laughs> borderline, like it's almost an incubator. It's almost yeah, an incubator program where you're pulling in businesses that have, you know, kind of fallen by the wayside or kind of not had been revitalized in a while. And you're kind of building them back up for a modern context. And I think yeah. that if we could figure out a terminology that illustrates what that process is, because it, it's not like you guys are coming in, building up a business and then bailing or selling or, you know, right. like leaving it out in the cold, be like, okay, now you figure it out. Like, the vibe uh-huh. that I get from yourself and from working with everyone on your team is like, you're really invested in not only the business being profitable, but for being a fixture in the community. So we need to figure out. No, I would agree. Yeah. And and I think that's fine. I think like we, like how my style is, is I run with something and I'm not going to wait until I have it perfect. Like Hemsley Ventures, we have the brand, we have the logo, you know, we have everything that we need, but maybe we're still adapting and changing and innovating and figuring out how we want to explain this to people like we mm-hmm. are now, you know, literally you shouldn't wait, like you should go as hard and fast as you can and let things change and adapt with time. And that's how you build an awesome brand, in my opinion. Totally. A great example of that, of course, Polar Bear. Let's talk about that one. Because I feel like that's really a case study in your portfolio of exactly what you're trying to build with Hensley Ventures. Yes. So Polar Bear was a beloved drive-in. It started in the, what was it, 1950s as just a, you know, you walk up to the window and you order a burger and a shake, maybe some fries on the side, right? And it was an icon. It was one of the first drive-in restaurants in my little community. So everyone knew about it because it was the first, right? And then over time with each era, it started to get added onto and changed and ownership changed. And then eventually it came to a point where it closed down and the whole town was devastated. And so, you know, I, I didn't grow up with Polar Bear, but I, I had a portion of my life when I was younger hearing about the stories that people would tell about it and how awesome the burgers were and how special they were and how no one makes the food like Polar Bear did. And so I'm like, oh, well, why don't we bring it back? I've always had that idea, but I've never had the funds or the means or the experience to do that. And so I look back and now that I have a little bit more time and a little bit more financial freedom, I said to my family, I said, let's bring back the polar bear. And immediately my mom, she has, you know how your mom has just all these connections. She just mm-hmm. calls up the owners that used to own it. Like, <laughs> My son would love to bring this back. You know, are you guys interested in selling the name, the menu, and all the things that come with it? And they're like, let's talk. And so from there, it unfolded, and we're we're knee-deep now into reviving and bringing back an old-school diner called The Polar Bear, and we can't be more excited. Tell us the story about meeting the owners and them handing off the menu, because it's such a good story. <laughs> and you relaying it to me, you're like, this is what I got. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I know. The, the owners are so sweet, so kind. They worked so hard during those years to build Polar Bear. Um, but when they handed it off, they didn't give me a lot of a lot to work with. 
I guess uh-huh. you could say. So uh-huh. when, when they gave me the menu, they said, you know, you put your pepper on your, your patty, you put your bacon in the corner of the grill, and then you slap it together and you serve it to your, your <laughs> customer. And I'm like, okay, great. that is great. <laughs> and so like, I felt like, you know, they were doing their best to explain the process. Totally. But it wasn't as much as I was hoping for, which is totally fine because we can we can work through that. Um, Absolutely. That's exciting to me to be able to do that R&D and they're willing to come in and work alongside us to train us and show us how to really build this menu, how they had it. We'll of oh, course put our own twist to it, but we want to keep it as true and classic to that original menu as we can. But they're, they're, it was awesome. It wasn't the experience I was expecting, but that's what makes business fun. You're always mm-hmm. going to run into those and turns and come out hopefully with a better result than... Totally. What um, was? Well, and what a contrast from what you're used to with recipe development. I've got to imagine where you're doing cookies on like a bajillionth scale, and I'm <laughs> sure every recipe, everything is extremely documented down to the measurements and the bake times and the this and the and the formulations. That the, the, yes. the menu that you'd sent to our team was like a word doc that just said cheeseburger. <laughs> I was like, yes. Awesome. Yes, it was very, very, very simple. Yeah, and it, it, was, it was kind of difficult for me because it wasn't a realm I was used to. I'm sure. I'm a baker, and I I am a self taught baker. So like that was my world for so long, and actually for the past five years, I've never really dove deep into like cooking. And right. cooking is different than baking. I know a lot of people think they're kind of the same, but they're not. And it's a whole other class in the food and beverage industry. You know. Mm-hmm. That, that diner vibe. So this is a new world for me, but I'm excited about it. You know? Yeah. I heard it described as, as cooking is art and baking is science. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I would say, I would say that. Because I love to cook. I can bake, but I don't love following a recipe because I don't love <laughs> making measurements. I'm just like, mm, more right. salt tastes good. Like let's put some more of that in there you know, and kind of make yeah. it up as you go. But that's interesting because it makes so much sense that you're a baker first, because it's very much how you run your businesses as well. Like in working with you yeah. over the last few months is like very detailed, but still there's an element of fun. There's an element of experimentation and creativity, but it's still within kind of the structure of like, this is what we're making, you know? So I think there's a yes. lot of actually, there's a lot of parallels between those two things. Yeah, absolutely. And what's one more thing I wanted to say about Polar Bear? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I take it back to our liquid death topic. Totally, totally. You know, like we're selling a very generic product, a burger, shake, fries, you know, they're everywhere. It's a saturated market. But what we plan to do with this brand is we plan to provide an experience that's unlike any other that's out there. Like what burger joint today can you really walk up to window and order and then they call you over the loudspeaker like they mm-hmm. used to back in the day. They come pick up your order, you know. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't want to get out of your car, you pull into the drive-in, and we come out to your car and take your order. You know, it's just a it's kind of a lost experience that we want to bring back, and we're super excited for that. And there's so many opportunities to pull that theme, those themes through with the branding, with the social media that we've been doing. And I think again, it's been a great experiment for my team as we're running the Polar Bear Socials. Is like how do you create content for a brand that's not open yet? <laughs> because you guys right, are- Right, That's a challenge in itself. Right. You're not going to be open until next summer. Which, We're teasing everybody for like uh, eight months. <laughs> huh? But also the response has been incredible. Like the the fandom that exists for Polar Bear and how cool to bring back something that people actually have already have stories for. Like, oh, I, I met my yes. best friend working at Polar Bear. Like- that's such a cool thing. And then to be able to pull that back forward. So it's been super fun to watch just some of the comments come through. People are very passionate about fryers and milkshakes. (laughs) More than I thought. Way more than I thought. It's very cool. Very cool. Um, And so Polar Bear, what's the big brand plan? Well, how much can you share with us as, you know, let's put ourselves into the future and it's opening day. What would be your dream scenario for opening day of Polar Bear? Yeah. So, you know, the dream scenario is we have balloons everywhere, you know, that big arch of balloons. We have cars jam-packed into the parking lot with huge lines and huge drive through lines. And people are just smiling and happy. They don't care how long the line is because they're just happy to have Polar Bear back. They're happy to try the new menu, revised menu, I guess I should say. 
and we have just a good atmosphere. That's what I hope. And I really want to take this bigger than just my community. I want to take it to the whole valley because I kind of live in this valley. And I really think people will drive to a destination like Polar Bear. It's more of a destination brand and destination experience. And I think we'll be able to capture that with what we're creating. Yeah. Kind of a tangent question. Are there entrepreneurs that you look up to that you kind of want to follow their blueprint? Because I have one that I think of when I think of your projects, but I wonder if it's the same one. So I'm going to ask you first. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, I am an odd, oddball and I just kind of beat to my own drum, but I pull inspiration from everywhere. So when I'm on TikTok, I'm taking like my screenshot folder is probably my most used folder in my phone because I'm constantly screenshotting, you know, pictures or design elements or business concepts or, you know, podcasts, whatever it is. And I don't, I don't think I could say I have one person in particular, which I, I wish I could, but I don't because I, I pull inspiration from anyone and everything. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Well, I'll throw this out there and you can tell me if it resonates. Maybe you don't like these people at all, in which case we can forget that I said it. But when I think of what Hemsley Ventures is doing and what you're doing as an entrepreneur, I think a lot of like Chip and Joanna gains. And what they've done in Waco. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Right? So like they put Waco on the map and they built an entire freaking universe out there. A whole universe. (laughs) They did. I think that they have that. And they uh, share a lot of similar themes, right? Like that hometown nostalgia and the fixer-upper vibes and the like embrace the imperfections. But the fact that they built Magnolia Farms, Magnolia Bakehouse, all those brands and all the stalls, which are all owned by Magnolia, but they all have their own brand feel in a very like Disney magical, fantastical way. I think about that's kind of similar to what we're we're doing with like Hemsley Ventures and world building. Okay, good. (laughs) I would agree. And I I Uh grew up watching Picture Up there and I just didn't think of that, but absolutely. You know, like they have a bakery, which I hope to one day have. They have a farm, which I just barely... Uh you know, launched. So yes, that's a great example. And I need to dive deeper into their story so I can relate more to them. Yeah. And I think that that's, they're the kind of person that if you're a diehard fan of their brands, that you, their personal, their persona, their outward persona is so tied in, right? It's not that they're so distant from their companies. And I think about that a lot with you too, is like, okay, I I see what we're going for, but that would be an interesting case study. Today's episode is brought to you by the Kiss My Loops video training. That's right. I created an entire TikTok training for creative entrepreneurs that teaches them how to set up, optimize, and get around TikTok so you can create content that best engages with your ideal client on TikTok because believe me, they're on there. And if you listen to today's episode, you know what a powerhouse TikTok can be. So go ahead and check out today's show notes at mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. Click on the episode and you'll get the link exactly to the Kiss My Loops training. I hope you learn a lot. If you do, be sure to message me, tag me on Instagram, uh, tag me on everything and enjoy the training. Let's talk about the project, the project that just barely launched. I know you're fresh off an event last night by the time we're recording this. Tell us about Hemsley Ranch. Yes. Hemsley Ranch. So again, Hemsley Ranch is nestled in my hometown of Preston, Idaho. Huge open countryside, more cows than people, I always like to say. And I have grown up just always wanting my own ranch, you know, chickens, cows, horses. Uh, My grandpa had a farm, but I never got to experience that because he had passed before I was old enough to like go out there and you know, it kind of was passed on to an uncle. So I'm like, I want that so bad. And so one day I'm going to have it. And I was able to find this property that happened to come up for sale. That was the perfect property to be able to have a ranch. And it was an existing ranch already. So it was already kind of just like, hey, here's the keys. Amazing. Do what you will with it. And I'm so excited because I have so many fun ideas around this ranch to be able to bring not only friends and family together, 
but the community. To go back to what we said earlier, this is one of the projects where you brought it to me and I was like, ding, got it. Like got the download immediately. I was like, oh, I know what this should look like. Because I feel similar again, if we're using this Joanna Gaines, like kind of example, Chip and Joanna, like the branding of it needs to be that perfect blend of nostalgia, like obvious, so obvious that it's a ranch, but elevated, right? Lux. Lux, not too like a bougie, outrageous, exclusive right. way, but as a, we thought of every single detail and that every moment has that kind of sprinkle of magic, right? right? So what are kind of your big plans, if you can share them, for Hemsley Ranch, the vision? Yes. Yeah, so Hemsley Ranch, I am wanting to make an experience where people can bring their families, small children, young adults, or even just like a date night uh, where they can come out to the ranch and there is like a restaurant out there. I want to build like a big barn that has like a restaurant off to the side, but also is a venue space for weddings or school or community events. And then I actually I haven't told anyone <laughs> this or I haven't told you, but I'm in the process of purchasing um, a raw milk cheese business. Yes. Yes. Where we'll be able to use our own wheels of cheese and i want people to come out and experience like rustic bread making totally. and the cheese process and have like canning classes and for the fall time i want to be able to have like corn mazes and orchards and wagon rides so it's just an a property that is so versatile through the seasons that people can enjoy. Oh, I love the cheese brand. That's, I mean, honestly, goals. Like every project that you bring to me, I'm like, yeah, this is <laughs> right? so fun. And I'm just so grateful. I just get to make it look beautiful and I don't have to do any of the logistics stuff of the background because <laughs> I get like just a hint of it sometimes from Ashley. Right. And she's like, oh my gosh, Michelle, you have no idea. I, and I was like, that's okay. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Um, so <laughs> what would you say are some of the things that, that were kind of those unexpected hiccups or how do you, not even what, what were the hiccups, but how do you help your team overcome things that don't go exactly according to plan without like losing your marbles? You know what? Like last night we had an awesome event. Uh, we collected coats for a coat drive. We had Santa there and we had the most beautiful spread of lights. If you haven't seen them, I mean, it's, it lights the town. You know, it's, it's on the edge of town, but we had a lot of cars coming, but we failed to communicate properly to our team that it's from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. So they closed up shop at 7 p.m. And then I get a call and they're like, hey, your team just left. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> so, you know, we work through it, but we want to take these experiences of like not being perfect and learning totally. from them. Totally. You know, and making checklists and notes, how we can improve moving forward. And I hope that my brands that we create can reflect that we're imperfect, right. but we're striving to be perfect or, or bettering every day. Right. Because I think if you, if you don't own that or you don't just say, sorry, we messed up, but thanks so much for your support and participation, you know, then it makes you look worse. And I like to be authentic. I like to be genuine and just be raw and real, you know? So learning through the process. <laughs> totally. We saw it happen this week with Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster what that big old mess was with all of her tickets being sold and not saving enough for her own fans or, or right. like Elon ruining Twitter. Like it happens. <laughs> like there are these things. And I think the more transparent and honest you can be about them when they do happen. And then like you just said, learn from that and improve from that. That's, that's where the magic is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Besides the projects that are like your Hemsley Venture projects, you also have a few initiatives or things that you help with that that are kind of related but tangential where you're not, maybe you don't have your hands totally in the cookie jar to use a cookie pen. Um, and I'm thinking of, you know, Press and Grand Theater, of course. You have kind of these projects where you're able to say like, you know what, we know what we can do that you need that we can help you with and let us hop in and help you and then you know, help you flourish on your own. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about how that project came about. And I know that you've got some other ones that you've kind of, you know, been keeping your eyes out for um, in that way where you're not really the whole day to day, but you're, you're playing a role. Right. So the Preston Grand Theater, like I grew up, you know, participating in mu musicals there. It's the only theater in town. It was one of the oldest buildings in town. I think it has a time capsule in the, in the wall still, but it's just, decaying and it's getting old and so we want to i want to come in and revitalize it 
And I want people to be able to use it as a community gathering space as well. Lots of community gathering spaces in my in my realm of brands. But uh, it's such a cool place, you know, and there's so many memories tied to it. But people are now starting to go to the town over to watch movies. And it makes me sad because if we want to build up our town, we need them to support local business. And in order to do that, you have to create that experience where it's nice, it's comfortable, it's clear through communications what's happening or what movie's playing, um, that you have, you know, the the concessions and 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 then you can bring your friends or family or date night again. And if you don't have the expertise or have that mind where you can generate those ideas to be able to push into this business, then it will maybe only be a mediocre business and people will not support it. And so I am able to come in with some of these ideas and expertise and a little bit of financial backing and say, hey, let me be a mentor or let me help where I can so you can be successful because their success is my success. Because if I'm starting businesses in town- totally then I'm going to be successful if they are because more people will start to come move to the area or come visit the area or tour the area. So that's how I see it. Other people's success is my success and I want to spread my knowledge and wisdom where I can. Totally. And people will start to connect the dots, right? Like the best referral is a job well done. Like that is the best way to keep going, I feel like, in life and business. And that served me well for the last eight years is do a really good job, be a good person. And and again, like the stuff shakes itself out. Um, and I think you made a really good point about how branding influences like the consumer behavior in something like a theater, right? And I know yeah. Preston Grand Theater like used to have a name that was even worse. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> so it used to be called Worm Creek, right? Worm uh-huh. Creek Theater. Yeah. And so even in that name, like the name changed to Preston Grand, which is so beautiful and so illustrative already of the type of place and experience that you want to have, how important would you say that the branding elements, like the colors, the fonts, the styles impact the way that we perceive an experience of going to a place? Oh, it's so important. I mean, you want to be able to look at a color and think Preston Grant, you Mm -hmm. know, or like look at a color and think crumble. It's pink, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I just think that that connection is so important because, you know, and also if you can, if you can drive some of this, I don't know, I don't know how to explain my thoughts here. I think I, I'm seeing the gears turn in your head. And I think that the, the driving, the experience is coming from creating that bespoke, memorable nostalgia, like we talked about in a way that's also different from a chain experience. Like I think everything like, and chain, I mean by like mega company, right? Like an AMC theater versus a Regal theater versus an Edwards cinema. Like we know what that experience looks like. We don't often get the opportunity to go to that tiny community theater. And we have one here in Encinitas in San Diego called La Paloma that like, there's still like graffiti in the bathroom from the seventies. Like it could be cleaned up a bit, but I would love for them to like if they are going to redo the bathroom, like take out that tile and frame that, show that, keep that part of the right. story, you know? Right. Um, and I think yeah. you have that cool chance with, with Preston theater to do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I'm excited to see, and they've been so, so good to work with and they have lots of good ideas too. So accommodating has been something that we've been working on and the whole community is rallying behind the project. So oh, it's going to be epic. Yes. I love that. I think you're also providing a really great opportunity here to be a bridge between what was and what it could be. Yeah. I think we got to put that in the Hemsley Ventures mission. I love that. I love that. And we're, we're kind of like paving a path and being an example yeah. to the other businesses currently there. Like, Hey, if we can do it, you can do it too. You know, like yep. maybe you can enhance your business. You right. Know? Right. Revitalize your storefront. Let's like put some zhuzh in it. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, to to tie this all up and put it in a nice bow, um, there's questions that I always love to ask everyone on the podcast, which is advice for yourself at the beginning of your journey, and then something you're great at and something you'd like to be better at. Ooh, I love that. So let's do advice first. Let's let's talk to Sawyer of of senior year of college Sawyer. Okay, I would say senior year of college Sawyer is to not take everything too seriously. I felt like I was so anxious about getting everything right and perfect, which we've talked about today, 
that I would be really hard on myself or I'd hold myself back and I wouldn't allow myself to just go. And I've realized over the years that that is the wrong way to think, in my opinion. Like, I think you should just do as much as you can and then adapt and be innovative and change with time and through time. Mm -hmm. And then your brand will come together. You can't build a brand overnight. You can start a brand overnight, but you can't build one and it takes time. So that would be my advice is don't try to be perfect and don't be too hard on yourself and just go for it. Okay. Rapid fire. Something you're great at and something you'd like to get better at. Okay. Great at is I feel like I am very good at bringing people into a room and being able to see both sides and find a solution Mm. through accommodation. Mm. That is my communication style. So I can find the best parts I can communicate with everyone on how we can make this a hybrid model so that we can have a happy atmosphere, but also a killer product or solution at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Something you'd <laughs> like to be better at? Better at, I would say empathy. I feel like I would love to be more empathetic to not only customers, but to coworkers and just family and friends. I feel like sometimes I am thinking about what I want to say next and I'm not having my listening ears, which, you know, affects my empathy and my empathy skills. And so that is something that I'm constantly trying to work on so that I can be a well-rounded leader and um, individual. I think that's a thing a lot of visionary types deal with, because I think our way of our best way to think of how to help someone is to help give them a solution when they oftentimes don't need a solution. They just need someone to listen, right? So right. I'm with you on that. I, I absolutely resonate with that idea. <laughs> totally. Um, well, where can everyone find you, follow you, follow the projects? Like, wow, yes. there's so many. <laughs> there so many. There's so many accounts to follow. Um, but like kind of point us in the right direction if somebody wanted to learn more. Yeah. So what I would say is if you want to follow my entrepreneurship journey as a person, you know, follow me at Sawyer Hemsley on all social platforms. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. And then if you want to follow all of my fun projects and brands, follow Hemsley Ventures. Mm-hmm. Again, that's kind of the, the key place to know all the happenings of all these fun things. Um, that's our home base is Hemsley Ventures. And then from there, you can find all of our brand accounts. Absolutely. And there's so much good stuff coming, you guys. And really check out all of them. Polar Bear, I mean... You can check out Peach Grove House, Hemsley Ventures, Hemsley Ranch coming soon, um, and maybe a podcast from Sawyer Hemsley himself. That's right. We'll see. Maybe, maybe. We can point her to Michelle. Oh my gosh, yes. And thank you so much for your time. I feel like we covered so much ground. It's so good to keep this as like a time capsule. That's why I love doing these episodes. Is it just like, awesome. it's going to be so fun to record an episode in a year from now and track all of our progress on these things. I agree. Thank you so much for the invite and for letting me jump on and talk with you. Oh my gosh. My pleasure. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.